The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Ben Haworth. And we are the Movie Gang Podcast this week. It's a short but very sweet, small, intimate group. We're a, it's a very intimate film. It's just me and Trevor. And we're gonna... Is a group two people? Two people can be a group, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I guess so. It's a form of a group. We're just going to... So, Trevor's already drinking, so I guess he's the <laughs> drunk, older uh, person who's established and jaded. I'm the young ingenue who's going to bring life back into his heart and revigorate ben. his creative spirit. We both have beards. I don't know if this uh, analogy is going to work. <laughs> Damn it. Like, we're we weren't on video Christmas. chat, and I wasn't looking at your like fluffy fluff of a beard that I can't grow. And that I, would be one thing, but I can see it. So, <laughs> And I drink a lot. So maybe we're, I'm Chris Christopherson, and you're Bradley Cooper. I mean, I think we're maybe it's two, just two jaded drunks going to yell at each other. Oh, boy. Well, this week, if you hadn't guessed, we are talking about A Star is Born. This is actually the fourth Star is Born film, third remake. And it is directed by Bradley Cooper, as well as starring him and Lady Gaga. So here is the synopsis. I'm going to do it in uh, Bradley Cooper's Jackson main voice, which I've been uh, doing all all week it's been great i just read that he really hurt himself doing that voice oh god that makes me feel so much better i'm just like i would talk like that all the time if i could <laughs> but <laughs> he's just can't <clears throat> seasoned musician jackson main discovers and falls in love with struggling artist ellie she has to give up everything on her dream to make it big as a singer until jackson coaxes her into the spotlight but even as Ali's career takes off, the personal side of their relationship is breaking down as Jackson fights an ongoing battle with his own internal demons. <coughs> wow, that is tough. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, so, uh, yes. Uh, this is your, your classic uh, movie. It's been remade uh, since the 30s. Uh, and I've actually seen three of the four. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to start with you, Trevor. What do you think of A Star is Born? So I should probably put a disclaimer up there pretty pretty quick for those of, uh, of us that are not regular movie gang podcast listeners. I'm not the most musical-oriented person. Um, this isn't necessarily my cup of tea, but the trailer kind of grabbed me. Um, the trailer, know, which is the best film of the year. <laughs> it's best, the, the, single the trailer, which is the best film of the year, right. This is a live-action two-hour adaptation of that trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well well said. <laughs> right up to the lighting and everything. Um, <laughs> so um, I think there's a lot that works in the movie, and uh, it's, very, it's remarkably sincere. It's amazing how much sincerity and how much life is pumped into this film that is like you know a traditional remake which i didn't know that going in actually i read about that afterward um and i'm glad you know about the history of that film because i haven't seen any of the other ones so the story at least was kind of new for me um everybody's talking about like that crucial parking lot scene which is you know like the best thing in the movie and for me it just didn't work while i was watching it 
Um, so I think as much as I like enjoyed all the acting and the performances in the movie and like a lot of different effective moments, that wasn't one of them. So if like that doesn't work for me, then the movie isn't going to work for me. So going into this as a critic, I'm kind of like, maybe I'm just, this just isn't my thing. But on the other hand, there are, are some like thematic issues in it that are part of that reaction. Like the, mm -hmm. like what true art is and what, what's shallow and then the song is called shallow and then there's a song about butts and jeans and we'll get into it <laughs> the, yeah the the uh the defining question of our age which is why you come around me with an ass like that right <laughs> actual lyric for one of the songs this film and there's a big conversation about it uh yeah so before i saw this film i wanted to i had never seen any of the stars born films being the dweeb i am i'm like let's watch all of them because i like a challenge um unfortunately i was not able to see the most famous one which is the 1954 version with judy garland it was supposed to air on tcm and i don't know if it just aired and that didn't work or they changed that's like it. the best one right supposedly i know i know <laughs> and i missed it and i felt like a bummer um, not a real film this critic. film is uh, this film is mostly based on the 70s version, which is by far the worst. It has to be. It has yeah. to be. It's so terrible. It's like three <laughs> hours long, right? Like all the other ones are three hours that, long. That one's not. That one's like two. That one's about as long as this one. It's about two. Oh, okay. It's a little longer, like 2.30. The Judy Garland one is three hours. It's it's uh, full full gambit. But gotcha. uh, yeah, but each of the films is a similar plot. It has very similar Beats. I now know what a Star is Born movie consists of. And uh, I guess, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil this movie because it's hard not to talk about. Big part of uh, one of my reactions to this film is the way it differs from the other films, particularly in the ending. Um, but it's a very interesting story. And what I appreciated about it coming from seeing the other, at least two of the, the other three, is what Bradley Cooper decided to focus on, and I think it's for better or for worse, which is that in the other ones, it is, uh, ah, Hollywood. Oh, mm, Rage against the so machine. So terrible. Yeah. There's a scene in the first 30s version where she goes to central casting, and central casting is like, look over there. See all these people on a, on a board that are, all they're doing all day is telling everyone no. All they do all day long on this right. super operating board is tell every person like you from a small town who was told they're a great actress, not going to happen, you know? And so it's like about the like soul crushing, unending <laughs> terror of Hollywood and the way you, that, that someone who has just become a drunk because is so disenchanted, uh, just enchanted with the system man that he finds this woman and he that brings her out of it. And that has a certain paternalistic vampiric element that can be a little troubling and i think you want to strip away a lot of that in this film so this is very much yeah that really doesn't come up at all you just kind of go with it like the romance is one of the better parts for sure right absolutely and i think that's why a lot of people are going to have a reaction similar to mine which is that it's a really killer first 90 minutes it's really really good what really worked for me unlike for you it sounds like and i think it will be a big part of your opinion of this film just in general is buying into the romance and i bought into the romance really hard i found it a very intimate very sweet very realistic uh sort of a, a doomed romance story but as it goes on to like those classic stars born beats 
Uh, for example, every Star is Born film has a uh, scene where the actor shows up drunk and ruins an award show. It's the Oscars in the first two. It's the Grammys in the uh, last two. Um, and here, it, it, that sort of melodrama that he has at the beginning starts to kind of grind against the movie's better intentions. And uh, it the ending is really terrible. bungles it. <laughs> yeah. When it he straight up pisses his watch. pants. Just like oh boy, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> my hands are on my face in the movie theater because I cannot take that shit. That kind of thing, like I just. Ugh. The 30s version is actually the best because he just shows up drunk and he's like, "Give it up for me, I'm the worst." He's like the original <laughs> Kanye. He just shows up and he's like, "I'm terrible." <laughs> it's great. Uh, at least so, he's present in that one. <laughs> so I, I think. Uh, I think that's my my basic takeaway is that I just I found the first like ninety minutes like one of the best movies of the year just so immediately charming and interesting. I really like the music, and we'll talk more about that. But for me, that was the part that was really was working. So I'm curious for you why that part you feel like you didn't connect with that as much, Trevor. Yeah, and uh, I probably need to defend that to be fair because <laughs> the music by is is pretty much like well liked and received by all i think uh to your to your credit i don't know of anyone for whom that's a negative part in the movie and the uh songs hooked for, me from for the me, beginning i'll just say for me i'll just say this is the opposite reaction to la la land where i saw la la land and i was like the music's great and then i re-listened to it at spotify and i was like oh it's kind of this is fine it's fine and here i thought the music was pretty good and then i I gotten home and I listened to it more and more and I'm like these are really great songs <laughs> like it's just really good playable because it's mostly Lady Gaga just making like half an album and yeah. she's good at writing songs <laughs> she's done it for a while all right here's here's the thing and I'm glad that you brought up La La Land first because I don't want to be that guy but like <laughs> as La La as Land's better musically um when it comes to arrangements and everything bereft as like the la la land uh music is i feel like each song is talking about something whereas we're we're told that lady gaga's character uh ali's music is important that she has something to say and for me that's like really just at odds with like the premise of this kind of movies because you're doing something that has to be really relatable and is a love story and you know it's a lot of pop love songs which can be written well like try not to go off on a tangent about my own musical biases here but i don't feel like there's like a specificity to the lyrics moving the plot forward or like exploring the characters or anything and that's maybe not necessarily what a movie like this would be trying to do but then to have an opposition, um, Maine's the the main, uh, Bradley Cooper's character talking about, oh, you have something to say, as like <laughs> defining what art is, and that could be, I mean, part of the point of it is that the movie's kind of saying he's wrong, but to be saying like, oh, it's all about having something to say, and then even her producer guy, who is like the stand-in for the whole music industry, and we'll get into that character, I imagine. Um, even he is like i really think you have something to say comma musically and i think that is why the music doesn't just click for me is to you have to kind of buy into and accept that this is lady gaga and 
she is pulling in like the part of her music like in real life as a performer that was revolutionary and her styling that is revolutionary for reasons that you know never I feel like were designed to appeal to me nor you know did I ever truly appreciate like when I was in college and it you know and everybody was listening to poker face um well, that's so, the thing about Lady Gaga. Yeah. Does that make sense? That, no, for sure. And and I think I understand where you're coming from this. Because it's weird because it's like Lady Gaga in reverse. Lady Gaga is sort of interesting right. that she started. She she always wanted to be a ballad croonery. She loves Tony Bennett. She did an entire album with Tony Bennett. Right. She loves, you know, that kind of uh, 60s, 70s uh, uh, singer-songwriter style. But that wasn't popular anymore. So she's like, I'm just going to become like uh, beyond famous and like was a marketing genius, basically. Mm-hmm. And like knew exactly how to appeal to that time and those people and those fans and like bring out the things she likes and explore the the kind of stuff she likes, but in a genre she maybe doesn't love, you know? Like, right. I don't think she necessarily loves that. And I think it's very interesting that she has done a intense piano arrangement of every single famous song she's ever done like you can find interesting singer songwriter versions of poker face and bad romance and paparazzi and they are so much better on the piano (laughs) and i think she knows that and now she's gotten this point like jolene her last album i think is her best because it is doing a lot of that and if you watch the lady gaga documentary look i dated a girl who's really into lady gaga i've learned about these things yeah so i'm just telling you 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 probably and i am i and I'm just I I like her too, so I'm not gonna be like it's my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, I, I I do appreciate Lady Gaga, and but I I I'm telling you where I'm coming from from knowing mm-hmm. this. No, stuff. yeah, that's but that's fair. I like, also don't want to come across that I'm a huge stan, like and that like Lady Gaga's my life. You know, I, I like her a lot, but uh, she's not like it's it's okay. But you don't her. have to apologize. Like she's a revolutionary figure, and you like. If that's a huge part, right. like I that, guess, that's... I guess I don't want my own integrity. <laughs> my, my, this, this, you know, ex, and we still talk, and she was like, "I cried for weeks," and like she's been crying ever since, and like that's how important Lady Gaga is to her, mm. and and I respect Wait, that. I think about that's awesome, like a specific event or this movie. But just this movie, no, and just it, being just proud of her, and, yeah, yeah, and and how powerful the movie is, and how much she loves the songs, you know. And to her credit, this her. movie would be a lot worse with out her i think objectively you can say just like behind the scenes i've been fascinated by all the stuff like she was the one who advocated for it doing it live music and not lip syncing and like kind of i think helped coach or work on the music and the lyrics i mean she wrote some of it too like you were saying um well that's why i think the the romance works also is that it's a very collaborative movie um mm-hmm. there's a lot of lady gaga's life in here she's italian american in this movie the previous one's more more Jewish and um, a lot of people think Lady Gaga is Jewish because of her looks and then there's also which is funny because the original character's name was Esther which is a very classically Jewish name um, yeah. in the other movies um, and there's dealing with stuff about her nose and like uh, which was a real about, thing um, for her in real life right totally totally and so it's it's one of those things where I can tell Bradley Cooper obviously wrote the film with her in mind and wrote it with her and and there was this kind of collaborative element and what he brought to it for her was i think letting her finally stop uh being just like glam because every other movie lady gaga she is a prop (laughs) she is there to be like 
Lady Gaga's being an old femme fatale in a 1930s movie, and you're like, whatever, yeah, fine, great. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sin City was the last movie she's in, and th- there you go. Like it's it's Sin City, you yeah. know, it's heightened, it's it's arch, it's ridiculous, and just to have her stripped down of all the makeup and the costumes and everything was, I think, really good for her. And I think helps with her image, too, because this thing you have to remember is, like, these are movies about superstars. Like, the other person they wanted this movie for when it was going to be Clint Eastwood originally was Beyonce. So that's who we're talking about. Like, it's always a huge female star in these movies, which is funny that they play, like, a the quiet ingenue. ingenue who gets, yeah. you know, <laughs> discovered. Um, so I, to get back to the music, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, that, like, the music doesn't quite lyrically match up as directly as the land i do think if you read the lyrics there is some more there but i think it's not as obvious and i do think sometimes it is it maybe that's why it works better for a soundtrack too is that they are very independent songs and sometimes they can just kind of come in and they happen and then you just move on like this movie is also very quickly edited for how long it is yeah <laughs> like it moves a scene will just happen and it will just change like it is we're done over it's <laughs> over yeah and so there's certainly a thing where we don't live in the songs as much as like a la la land you know it's it is more mm-hmm. perfunctory in a lot of ways outside of shallow which is like the one song that they which is why it's the song that's going to win best original song because it's integral to the right. story same way that coco was you know it's like we start with the beginning we see it fully fleshed out we see it reprised in a sad way it's like it's exactly the same thing Coco does, and it always works. It's always very tragic. I just coming out of this movie, I like, I, and I said to my girlfriend because you know that she likes musicals more than I did, and I was just like, am I just like a, like not necessarily this movie, but I was just like, am I just, am I just like a heartless human being? If like during the last scene when they're when he's writing that, like, she's he's playing that song he wrote for her, and they're like, she's they're like, you know, just giddy over the piano, and I'm just like, eh, it's you know, it's it's not yesterday, you know, like, I just <laughs> like. I don't love that song either. But I don't love it. Like it's better than the last song from Rent, but I don't. I don't know how much. Oh. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Like I can't. I'm so fastidious. Yeah, it's so... like I guess that's. I I don't think I'm the audience for this movie, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's it's something that I mean, we can get into the ending now because this is probably where my main complaint comes from. Which is, uh, well, first I'll just say with that ending, weirdly, despite the fact that the 70s version is just a big old pile of trash, it is ugly, gaudy 70s trash. It is like everything about the 70s that is bad. Tell us how you really feel. Ugly costumes and opulence and (laughs) misunderstanding and drugs. It's kind of great too because Chris Christopherson is like so ridiculous. He's like original Nick Cage. Ooh, I have a like question. He's like unhinged. What? Sorry, what was your question? Um, was it marketed as a roadshow by any chance? Oh, the seventies one it was a little bit after the roadshow. I don't think so. I I know you're, it was you're a just big talking movie, about like the gaudiness was... and everything. So I was curious. Yeah. Oh uh, no, for sure it is. It is. It is seventies version of that kind of godliness for sure, no doubt. And but I'll say the ending is really solid, and there's just this one single locked camera shot of, and it's a, a similarish version of this, which is it's her singing this final song that he wrote. Like that's kind of where mm-hmm. the seventies thing where 
uh, it, it completely changes the ending of the first two movies, uh, which end with this famous line where she says, I'm Mrs. Norman Maine. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is a, a little, little paternalistic, now, right? and no one says that anymore. Yeah. 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 No one really says Mrs. Husband's name anymore, so I, I understand when they cut that line. Yeah. Um, and so in this one is the same thing where she discovers an old song that he wrote that he about her, but he never finished it. And then, but in that one, what I really like is she start. it's locked down camera. It's just Barbara Streisand's face. She starts singing it. She cries. It's like a croonery version of the song. And then she just like belts it out as a rock song as like triumphant. Like I'm here. I'm going to survive. And then she goes like, like in a super seventies ending. And she like looks up and it like freeze frame. Freeze frame. Oh, man. For her. Yeah. So seventies. It was great. Um, and this one, I, I, I agree. It's just a little, it's so sappy. I like the cut to them on the piano because it's like, that's what their relationship was. And that's like mm-hmm. their best moments. But, and she's very touching again in those scenes. Um, I but, do think their collaboration when they're like making songs together, whether I ultimately liked the songs or not, that worked for me. Like I got the romance and that that's what is so intoxicating and so dangerous about their relationship is they just like light each other up when it comes to their art i thought that was really well done oh for sure and then they kind of brush over the problems there's this great line where yeah. she says like where he falls down drunk she's like he does that all the time and you're like yeah, yeah. Uh, no that's not great yeah. like it's just taken for granted a little bit and another and a strange choice is to like where the previous films as you were saying are more like it's about ah the the industry of the machine it ruins people it's this one is more just like he is just a tragic backstory waiting to self-destruct like and it has nothing it seems to have so little to do with her rise to stardom i mean it just kind of happens to coincide with it it more seems like you know than anything else but well, I'll use that as a segue for my thing I've been dancing around, which is, again, spoiler alert, um, the suicide. So in every other version of the story, uh, the the lead dies, but it is more ambiguous if it's a suicide. Now, huh. it's presumed that it's probably a suicide. And the first two, and it always is the same way where he says, you know, and the first date, he says, you know, I want to take another look at you. And then before he goes off and kills himself, he says that again to her right before he goes. And the first two, they walk they walk into the ocean. So it's late at night and they go into the ocean. They don't come out. Hmm. Uh, and then in the 70s version, he, like, drinks a lot and he drives his car, like, way too fast. And he kind of swerves on, like, too much. You know, it's a little performative. And he crashes his car and dies. And in this one... Uh, he straight up hangs himself and you see him hanging himself in a very gratuitous shot with his dog crying and lights and mm-hmm. swinging. And I'm just like, Oh Jesus. Um, but my big problem with that is what I liked about the original and maybe the thirties one had to, because of the production code. I understand that maybe that's why that started because like, you know, you couldn't show suicide back then, but you yeah. could show, but you can hint at it, you know, where the audience would get it, but you'd say, oh, well, he just drowned, you know. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I appreciated about it is that it was the man, a similar idea of, like, the man sees that the woman is being held back by him, that she could be so much better if he just was gone one day. And what I liked is it was, a, is in a weird way, of Ellie's selfless act in that I will give you the freedom to think that I just went away. You know, like, one day I just went away and all your problems are gone 
This wasn't about you. And to me, by making it an act of suicide, he makes it very much about her. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it very, very much, uh, uh, your manager did this to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he came over and did this, and then I went and killed myself. I was so back and forth on that manager, quote-unquote, character. <laughs> like, Ooh, I, he's rough. Like, his... <laughs> Because the first, you know, conflict that he has with Allie is he says, look, you got to have dancers. You got to you got to be a blonde. She's like, I don't want to do that. And then she has dancers and she he dyes her hair more red. And he's the good guy. And he's like, oh, you got, you know, a Grammy nomination. Uh, and she hugs him and she he's like the best thing that ever happened to her. And then at the end of the film, he's like, hey, you're a piece of shit. We both know this isn't going to last. You're an alcoholic. You're no good. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot how are how are you like so not important and yet so important to the plot <laughs> like as, as <laughs> and that happens in most of the other ones in, uh, in the other ones too it's just mm-hmm. like a bad device that they can't shake uh they can't seem to find a way for him to like just fall off the wagon and realize that he's failed and that he's failed her you know in a way and so like in the 70s when he just sleeps with somebody and <laughs> like that's his like excuse which is even worse that's his out um, uh, yeah, it's, it's less feminist. it's bad although it's like kind of an anti-feminist sentiment to begin with that like he failed her like he has to protect her from the industry taking advantage of her and that's and that's the paternalist thing and that's why i feel like maybe cooper's reasoning for making the suicide not ambiguous anymore is that like he felt it was a little paternalistic, but it's just, it's a paternalistic story in a bit. And, and I think that's the thing where Bradley Cooper is trying to do is he's trying to make it more about a romance. Like you said, a failed romance. This guy's got, he's got tinnitus. That's a part of it too. It's like, it's just tragedy. It's like, he's got tinnitus. His dad was 63. His this thing's a wind farm. Sam Elliott said, fuck you to him. And it's, (laughs) it's really intense. Uh. (laughs) Can I just say that Sam Elliott is the greatest, actor who can say the word fuck like oh my god he was so good he just put so much in it he was so good in this this crazy shot where he's right backing out of the driveway and Mm -hmm. tears are in his eyes Mm -hmm. and he's just like oh my god i gotta throw that man an oscar for that that destroyed me that one look i just yeah this is so good like bradley cooper is earning his oscar in the moment right before by all this hesitation building up to what he wants to say and as emotionally charging as that is all sam elliott has to do is like look in his rear mirror with tears in his eyes and i'm just that's that's what gets me (laughs) oh it's just i know i know yeah Yeah, cooper's really interesting he's 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 an actor i've never loved but i was found Somewhat enjoyable on screen. I never like was mad to see Bradley Cooper. It's never like you know, ah, Bradley Cooper. But well, he's one of those very strange actors who never quite worked for me. And he, this is probably my favorite performance of his. I was about say. to say this is so, your this is your chance to make up your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty mannered, but I still like it. And it's it. I do like. I think I like the fact that when I heard, I think we all like when I heard about this movie and it was just like Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, a star is born. I'm like, Ugh. it just sounds like the worst excesses of vanity project, you know, like handsome lady man gets to make out with famous, extremely uh, uh, attractive, famous pop star and like prove that he's a singer and he's like the greatest. And it's just like, he, he's an old boot in this movie. He's an old <laughs> leathery cooger. 
drinking at a bar, going to the drag show. I was like, what, what is this, a drag bar? <laughs> You're just like, what? what is this weirdo? I love him. He's, <laughs> it's that part of him that I do think is interesting, which is he's very obsessed with the 70s. And I think that's why he remade this movie. Mm. He kind of, I think he loves that era where like stars would just show up in people's movies. Like he shows up in war dogs for like one scene for no reason. And I think it's just because he's friends with Todd Phillips, the director. And mm. I think he kind of likes those character drama driven stuff. I think it's why he likes David O. Russell and Clint Eastwood and people making like character dramas, like good old fashioned people in wigs and just, just yelling at each other. You know? People, like, people in wigs yelling at each other. I think that was the tagline for American Hustle. People <laughs> in wigs yelling at each other. Hey, I liked American Hustle. I haven't watched it a second time. I don't know if uh, I ever to, will. But yeah, you don't. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Just live with the memory of it that I have. Yeah. What do you think of, uh, of, of Gaga, though? We haven't talked much about her. I mean, she's great um i think her character is kind of short shrifted like the movie's supposed to be about her and it's always more about the ingenue i guess traditionally but i just think the whole thing where she is she selling out or not kind of gets just feels like it gets dropped for me like i don't feel like there's ever ever any resolution to that it feels like there's a weird scene missing. She's like, yeah, you're right. She's like, I don't want dancers. I'm not changing my hair. And then she's like, changes her hair and she has dancers and it's fine. You're like, oh. And then he confronts her about the Gene song and then like makes up with her. And it's just like, he offers the olive branch and like offers to watch the rehearsal. And that's kind of the end of it. Like, then she puts out a whole album. She has her image. And I don't know. The, the, I think the only time we see her in another performance after, like, that one is when she's singing her tribute to him, which is, of course, dialed down and somber and classy. But, you know. Yes. We don't really know what that album go. looks like or, I guess, sounds like other than the jeans song. So. <laughs> I was also like... You don't have that many dancers on SNL. That stage is tiny. You, right. need, you need you need less dancers. I saw that. I was like, huh? I guess uh, I guess I'm missing out. SNL has uh, like some big music productions. I always just watch, you know, like Colbert and Daily Show, but that's, that's where the music I mean, acts SNL, are. I guess that's, that's that's part of what it makes SNL good. I think actually is that they don't have that. I mean, Kanye West always does some weird shit, but like, um, but like usually it's just like. Because there's no room, <laughs> the band just plays their song, which is kind of interesting in a way. Um, like Sia, she still brought out that dancer, but the dancer had like you know, like ten feet. <laughs> so that's all she needs. Kind of, that's all she needs. She's in a room six, in the six. video. Like it's all it's like it's a studio true. apartment. That's true. And Sia was just all the way in the back because that's Sia's like little little thing, you know. And then her her and her wig was all the way in the back, and then the girl was just dancing. And it's really interesting. So it was just weird to me. I was like. How'd you get that wrong? It's just little things like that. It's also like, it's also weird because I think part of the problem just for me, and it's just more of a, and this is, is more of a nitpicky problem, which is that I think Bradley Cooper is combining two things, which is popular rock bands who play at festivals, mm-hmm. like My Morning Jacket and the Black Keys, like people who could still sell out arenas and like are still big. Yeah, but they aren't like 
Kurt Cobain famous. You know what I mean? They're not like Prince famous. They're, Bradley Cooper is that famous. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bradley Cooper, I'm sure, goes into supermarkets and gets pictures taken of him and it drives him crazy. You know? I'm yeah. sure that happens to him. But that doesn't really happen to like Roots Rocky kind of people. And it yeah. may be like you can make a story that's still about that but kind of acknowledge that maybe that's part of the sadness is that like you're super famous in front of 300,000 people and then you leave the stage and no one remembers who you are. You know, maybe that is an element of it too. Um, I think, and maybe it's just a genre thing. Like I could kind of see that with older, like nineties era country acts. Yeah. Like especially in like middle America and the South, but I just don't know anybody would really recognize, but that's it. not I what guess it's just he a weird thing. sounds like. Like you I, I've never. No, heard... he sounds very Black Keezy. I would yeah. say is the closest band. I would say. Um, and the to be kind honest, of harder dark rock kind of roots rock kind of. Yeah, and to be honest about my music consumption, like the very phrase "roots rock" to me is like was not known to me before I started tuning into discussions of this movie. So that's like how out of like genre perversions and various uh, right. dovetails of the music it's just it's a uh, it's I a genre of music i listen to that's the only reason i really know about yeah <laughs> but um, like i don't know it does looking back on like what i thought looking at the trailer you see him at a cowboy hat and like oh what is this what is this I, guy yeah, gonna I be thought it was just pure lady country. gaga i'm like go ahead what do you yeah think? i thought it was pure country i thought that was gonna yeah. be the whole bit like it because he's got that song that's very country where he's like the way always exactly and that was my first impression of the movie that song which i think is actually probably my favorite song in the film and i just the one. cynical part of me is like is this kind of like a eh, to to like middle america and country fans and like you know like maybe a bit maybe a bit <laughs> I, I don't want to be like ultra cynical and i mean say I, what i'm actually thinking but you know you know what i mean like just, well, I certainly think, and that's part of it, I think. Because it's not just alcoholism either. It's like opioid addiction. You know, they just like kind of shoot. That's true. Shoehorn that that's in there. True. It's like, ah, ah, this time there are pills. Like, it's just. This time. I don't know this where. This time he smacks a pill with a boot. <laughs> and he snorts it. <laughs> that's great. Oh, God. I, I, had, I had an old that's lady in my theater scene. that just like had never seen anyone snort anything on film before. And she's like, what is he doing? And she just like talked the whole time. And whenever Aww. he says, whenever he says, I just want to take another look at you. Um, she said, take another look at you. I think he's going to kill himself. Like for where the whole theater could hear. And I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like, you know, this is <laughs> my girlfriend. and I got to stop going to matinees. Or I got to like come up with a, like, like a, like a policy. Cause this keeps happening. And I just like, I don't want to like make a scene, but I want to make a scene <laughs> so bad. <laughs> you need to come with cards. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I should make cards. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> shut your mouth cards. Oh, uh, I think I got us off topic. Yeah, yeah that's a fine. I just um, want to point out that this is one of the rare uh, people have pointed out. No one I think has found uh, any other examples. Both this and Venom. So both this and the number one movie uh, have the same director of photography, <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Liebetik. It's very strange. <laughs> I got. I don't know what to say about it. It, it does have kind of. A, I mean, it has a lot of momentum. It has kind of an action movie feel. Was another thing I heard another critic say. Like. It's like that first 90 minutes, how fast it moves, how exciting it is, you know? Very much, yeah. And that's the thing. It's just, it's it sweeps you up for me, like, in the beginning, because there's just a, there's just a really good first date segments, which is just 
him going out with her and she's kind of like who is this guy into, into me or what is up with them and i like that they don't have sex on the first night and that it is just more of a odd first meeting but it's like something that is memorable and then she decides to go with them and then um i think this movie does intimacy just very well um, yeah. i actually really enjoyed uh the sex scenes they weren't gratuitous but they were still i think very romantic and intimate but not you know sort of over the top and and, yeah. and, and lurid and when she's like job. putting makeup on his face, I didn't think about it at the time, but like reading about the film afterwards, like, oh, which is a, that's kind of like a reversal for him. Yeah. Which is a parallel of a scene from the 70s version, which oh, is really? sort of interesting. There's a few yeah. kind of... Uh, well, he, he peels off her eyebrows when he first meets her, too. So there's that. Yeah, which is nice. And, uh, and, uh, and that's another element that's very gaga is that she's in a drag bar when you first meet her. Like, she's, God, I love the drag bar scene. Those... Drag bar is... Awesome. I, just, <laughs> I love woke country star. He's great. He just throws up in a drag bar. He's like, oh, there's a bar, ain't it? It's got more of that. Let's just have that as the whole movie. It's country, really woke country Oof. guy. See, now, stumbles into now you're a- making a great point, which is that the before sunrise version of this movie is probably the better movie, which is just like their date, you know? Mm-hmm. Just their first date. Like, if that was the whole movie, it would probably be better it would probably be i mean pretty great just you would say this person running into a drag bar that would be like a really indie like unity of time oh it would place. not make like it would no not make 40 film. million dollars opening weekend i agree it would not make that i, I know no one could make it that make... film because it would cost too little to make it's <laughs> <laughs> really glad i made it <laughs> two people see it i made my money back uh dave Chappelle is in this movie he is i want more dave Chappelle. he shows up in one scene everybody does right that's like that's like his place. frustrates me that's his place in the zeitgeist everybody wants more of him that's a good place he shows to up for one scene in chirac and he's hilarious oh this i didn't know he's in chirac so i need to see chirac yeah. now chirac's great but yeah th- he's not he's, he does have some humorous moments but he shows up with his actual daughter who is freaking adorable there's this amazing scene where Bradley Cooper's proposing and they're having this whole conversation about weddings and the daughters in the background is like flipping out. I being hated ridiculous. that. And it's I hated that so, so much. Like really? I, lo- I loved it. <laughs> I love so honest. I love Chappelle uh, Noodles. I think is his character's name. I love his speech yeah. to him. Where it's like, you know, you keep searching and sometimes you just find out you're already home and you're in the right place and I'm happy where I am and. Uh, and Bradley Cooper and a good is example like, of when, oh, so I need to marry her right now. I'm like, no, that's no, not that part, the point yeah. of that speech. <laughs> you, you got it wrong. <laughs> you messed up. Noodles is great. And that's an example where Cooper's interesting because sometimes he's very good at telling you a whole story in just a little bit. You know, like you could just tell that Noodles, like he's got a row of guitars. He knows Bradley Cooper. He's in this house that's a little more run down. You get the sense that he was like a guy who was on the circuit with Cooper and ended up meeting a girl and deciding it was better to settle down than explore that crazy rock star life. And maybe he's not as rich, but you know, he's happy and he's content and he's doing whatever he does, but he's still got music. And that's like as best I can guess, but they never have that moment where he sits down and he's like, here's my story, Lady Gaga. I'm noodles. And I'm in him on the road. And you that's know, they the do that missing same thing scene. With... We found it. That's the missing scene. <laughs> and the same with Sam Elliott. You know, he just has that great line where he's just like, you stole my voice. 
and that like explains like oh that's why his voice is so fucking i weird. couldn't take and, like, that line seriously because i was just like oh that's how he came up with this voice i just wanted to be that's, no it's that's, oh. that's literally the point of that scene and uh it's 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 moments like that that are great which kind of frustrate me that when he does something a little more on the nose like like the uh like you know saying you know i tried to kill myself with a belt once and then three seats later he's killing himself with a belt you know yeah it's like it's that stuff that kind of frustrates me and i think i want to see cooper make more films because i hope he kind of learns to it's one of those things where i worry he's gonna get so much praise for this movie that he's not gonna get better it's the same problem i had with hereditary hereditary is a pretty good film but it needs that director just needs to get a little more comfortable and making his own movies and just he needs to make more movies. It's just a thing. A lot of people do. And uh um but if you get a lot of praise at the beginning of your career, you may not try harder next mm-hmm. time. So that's the thing. I just hope Cooper doesn't stagnate. Um because I like this movie a lot and I think he has a lot of good um elements and like a like a lot of actor directors, he's the best in terms of getting performances out of people. So I hope he learns some of the other elements like uh like that in your final shot, maybe don't just move the camera up and then back and then up and then back and then up and back. And yeah. Then back. <laughs> it's a little nitpick. A little nitpick. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I covered most of my things. Is there anything else you want to do before we go to scores? Nope. I'm ready. Alrighty. Hit me with it, Trevor. I'm very curious where you're going to land with this one. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a 6.5 um because right. not my, not my cup of tea but more than competent uh, a lot of it really worked for me um there's a whole half point just for and i didn't know this guy's name uh admittedly until i heard another podcast talking about him um but the guy that plays uh, lady gaga's character's father was just so entertaining i'm looking at the IMDb oh, page right now andrew dice clay it. yes he's like fourth andrew credited dice i'm clay. like what i was looking at him farther down but he's like right there <laughs> Yeah, who's uh? I don't know. If, do you know who Andrew Dice Clay is, Trevor? I'm just curious. I mean, I recognize him. <laughs> yes, he's a he was a very famous '80s comedian. '80s was kind of the worst era of comedy because there was a lot of gimmick comics, and he was like a Hey, I'm a New York, I'm an asshole. Hey. And he's like, he was like the epitome of like the worst excesses of that. And he's like weirdly become a great actor, <laughs> and he's really subtle and adorable. And charming, and I'm like, oh, look at you, Andrew Dice You've become like a lovely person. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, that's it. What's your score? You. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. It's sort of weird because, like, even though I know it's gonna, usually when I see these movies and I know it's gonna win Best Picture, and I feel like this probably will. Um, I usually am annoyed that I'm about to hear about it forever. Mm. Yet I kind of don't mind, even though I don't love it as much as some people. I, I, it's just one of those movies that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad. It's nice. Um, it's like I said, the first hour is probably why I feel that way. I think the first hour is just so charming. I think the chemistry between Lady Gaga and uh, and Bradley Cooper is, is is fantastic. It's certainly the best of the three I've seen in terms of like just that. Well, it's the best of the three films in general for me. I, I still haven't seen the 54 version. I know it's the classic. I'll see it. Um, it's in the mail. It's coming. Uh, blame TCM. Damn it. I was all set to watch it on Sunday. Um, so 
that element really did work for me a lot. Uh, I did find it really charming. I do really like the music. I, uh, I did just kind of get into the whole vibe of the thing. Sam Elliott is quite great. There's just a lot of really good character actory stuff. I think Cooper's just really good at kind of nailing that 70s style of just giving actors room to breathe and, and experiment and have fun and do really interesting stuff. Um and uh, yeah, so I, I did really like it, but again, that ending and the the choice to change the suicide to unambiguous really bothered me, and I just think it loses a lot of steam as it goes along. And uh, if you're gonna still make a Star Is Born with like the old beats, you can't ignore the industry into the last thirty minutes. So it's yeah. one of those things where I think it yeah. it's where it kind of it kind of falters at the end, and I don't think that the end has as much of an emotional punch. I know a lot of people are gonna leave this movie crying. It didn't really for me. I I, I was more weepy in the first act which he did like shallow and stuff like that's where it was really at the at its peak but uh yeah it's a, it's a great film i do recommend it i think a lot of people are gonna like it i'm glad it's gonna make a shit ton of money it's the kind of movie that i do feel good about liking even if it's not probably gonna be in my top 10 i bet so that means the movie gang podcast gives a star is born uh, a seven solid feels pretty fair yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some some angry Gaga fans and Cooper heads. I don't know if there's Cooper heads. I don't know if there's huge ride or die Cooper fans. I there's got to be some out there. I guess if I had to pick one, I'd be a Cooper head, but I've always thought he was weird too. I don't know. I, I, I guess I've always liked him now that I think of it. I've never, like I, I've known he's weird, but I've liked him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now go watch Burnt. Let's see. Only oh, two okay. Never mind. Watched. You brought it. I forgot burnt. about burnt. I haven't seen burnt. We'll never watch burnt. Yeah. Aloha. <laughs> All right. For the Movie Gang Podcast, this has been Trevor Flynn. Good night, everybody. And I've been your host, Ben Howard. As always, be sure to go to Tuscan Chad Media. Sorry, TuscanChad.com for the Tuscan Chad Media Network to. Uh, see more of our shows including Animania, Geek Space Nine, A Feast for Bros, finally the season is coming, I swear to God it's coming, and uh, many other shows as well. And uh, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us, it always helps uh, get new listeners, ratings do matter, they do help us get a uh, rise in the ranks and help show up at other people's recommendation feeds and all that stuff. All hail the algorithm already for the Movie Game Podcast. Thanks for listening. Take another look at you.